Hi. This is Andrew Lotto. Welcome to another edition of Sadistically Speaking. This is episode 34, Echo Chamber. Echo Chamber. Echo Chamber. I'm old. <laughs> I remember the time before the internet. In fact, I think I remember the exact day Al Gore invented it. Uh, when I started grad school, I actually had to petition the university to give me access to email. Very few people had email at the time, even in academia. I convinced them that I needed it to collaborate with scientists in other states and countries. Pretty sure that was a lie. This was before web browsers were available, and you had to have some basic computer skills in order to use the internet to find nude photos on servers. I was sought after for that particular skill at the time. But then along came Mosaic, which was the first readily available web browser, and soon all you had to do was type naked chicks in a search box. I had become obsolete like a floppy disk. Anyway, the point I wanted to make is that in the early days of the internet, there were many articles written and interviews given in which the utopian future was exalted. The best thing about the internet? It released humans from constraints of mass programming and local interests. Every individual would now be free to hear any type of music they wanted, learn about any topic, interact with any other human on earth. We would finally all be world citizens and parochialism and tribalism would end. Niche music and art forms would flourish. We'd all be reborn in the glory of our savior, Tim Berners-Lee. Funny thing happened on the way to Utopia. I'm not going to spend my time beating up on Google and Apple and Facebook here and complain about their senseless censorship. Senseless censorship? Sounds like a Nirvana song. Maybe I'll do that in our time. Here, I want to discuss the unintended consequences of giving people unlimited free choice. Start with music. I distinctly remember the excitement at the prospect of musicians being released from the hegemony of the record companies. Soon, we were told, we're going to have all kinds of new styles of music because musicians would stop trying to be the next Britney Spears or conform to the current trends. When I was young, we had to listen to Casey Kasem's Top 40 to hear the songs we wanted. And even then, it was only about four of them on the list. But now, a democratization of music. Cool, dude. What happened? In 2012, a study was published in Scientific Reports by some Spanish computer scientists, and they looked at the evolution of contemporary Western popular music, pop music. They analyzed over 450,000 songs from 1955 to 2010. I'm not going to bore you with all the details of the analysis, the computational modeling, etc., but... Their basic conclusion was that over time, music was becoming more homogenous, more similar, not less. We weren't getting more variability, more difference, more diversity. We were getting less. For example, the variability in the types of pitch intervals were used or different types of pitch patterns, which is different types of melodies, decreased over time. They were becoming more similar. The timbre variability, and timbre is the quality of the sound. It doesn't have to do with pitch or loudness, but just the quality of the sound in terms of the mu instruments used, etc. 
The diversity in timbre also decreased, likely due to a drop in the use of different kinds of instrument types and the fact that music production techniques became pretty standardized. The average song increased in loudness over that time, which also actually decreases diversity because when songs get louder, you get less dynamic change in loudness. So it's actually the case that songs are becoming more and more similar. Now, that's a lot of words, I'm sorry, but the point is the internet did not make music more variable and different. It actually became homogenous, more homogenous. It's really the case now that disgruntled parents can say, all the songs sound the same. They do. Also, there have been several analyses over the years about the remarkable little diversity in the artists who get streamed on Spotify. Uh, There are millions of artists on Spotify. The number of artists who actually get any real number of streams is small. Despite all the diversity and choices, people still prefer to listen to an asshat like Ed Sheeran over and over again. So, who cares, right? Uh, We don't listen to the same music. We all listen to the same music, whatever. Who cares? At least the internet will expose us to a wider variety of ideas now that we aren't controlled by just three television networks, right? We all know what happened. Choice has allowed us mostly to limit the ideas and voices we hear. It starts with the almost non-overlapping audiences for Fox and CNN on cable, but it actually goes further in social media where I can choose to join particular groups based on my interests and to hear from like-minded people. And I even have the magical ability to unfriend someone who says something I don't agree with. I can unfriend. That is so magical. You should have to wave a wand when you do it. You are a friend. You shall not be a friend any longer. Unfriend you. I mean, I'm going to start a group with the hashtag Arthur is a sexy bitch. I checked. No one has started it yet. Now I'm going to just bring in people who resonate with my golden girl crush, right? Everyone's going to agree with me, support my opinion. By the way, if you don't know who B. Arthur is, unfriend you. So the result of all our free choice isn't exposure to differing or novel views. It actually creates isolated, non-overlapping groups doing some kind of circle jerk about how right they are. Dave, you're so right. No, you're so right. I actually had to leave Facebook because I would constantly get into arguments with people. And I realized quickly why it's the case that there's a readily available like button, but no unlike button. Dissent is not welcome. Even if it's just, I don't think your baby's that cute. Of course, it isn't just the fact that we can make choices that limits our worldview. The major social media platforms also have algorithms that try to tailor your experience to your interests. It's why if you search for ass beads on Amazon, then suddenly there are ads popping up all over for anal pleasure tools in every article you read. Now, this isn't necessarily a bad thing. For instance, I don't give a shit about Latvian folk music, so I'm pretty happy that it doesn't show up randomly in my recommendations feed on YouTube. On the other hand, If I once accidentally search on 
Latvian folk music, then YouTube, please feel free to fill my fucking recommendations with different versions of Teku Teku Pachelinu. By the way, unfortunately, I actually didn't know any fucking Latvian songs, so I googled it to get a title for one, Teku Teku Pachulinu. But Google owns YouTube, so I'm pretty sure I just altered my YouTube account with some Baltic bullshit. The problem with these algorithms, of course, is that they tend to limit our daily input to new ideas or art forms and instead inundate us with the same shit we already like and know. At least when there were only three television networks, I had to be exposed to stuff I may have not been interested in. Also, everyone else I knew was exposed to that shit. So we had common grounds for discussion. Now, could there have been more diversity in viewpoints back then? Of course. Obviously. Definitely. And if they did that, we'd have all been exposed to those new ideas. That's great. You have a constrained input. Make it more diverse, and then everybody gets more diverse ideas. But that's not what we have. Now, we're not constrained at all. We can make our own comfy, isolated, worldview safe spaces. And the algorithms for Facebook and Google and YouTube and Spotify, etc. will make sure no unwanted thoughts or sounds disturb us or threaten how assured we are in our ideas. Good night, sweet Karen. I once actually did an experiment on this sort of algorithmic enclosing. A story about octopuses came up. Um, I'm going to go octopuses. I refuse to use octopi. Anyway, it came up on my Google News feed. I clicked on it. The next day, another story on octopuses appeared, I presume due to the algorithm. So I decided at that point, I'm going to click on every octopus story that appears. After just a little while, I was walking in an octopus's garden. On my page. Shit, I should try this with B. Arthur. Anyway, not only was I inundated with useless octopus trivia, you know, they eat it from their butts, right? Um, It crowded out any other science or nature stories. I was on my way to becoming an octopus idiot savant. These algorithms actually scare me so much, I refuse to click on some stories that I'm mildly interested in because I don't want it to be a part of my digital personality inventory that the algorithms use. Example, last week, a story came out that McDonald's was releasing a Happy Meal based on the Korean band, Korean boy band, in fact, BTS. I was interested. I had questions. I have questions. What are the toys like? Korean boy band... Are the hamburgers made from dog meat? (laughs) Oh my God. That is so racist. Nope, actually not. Korean is not a race. It's an ethnic group defined by country boundaries. At best, I'm an ethnicist. And also, facts, uh, according to the Humane Society, about one million dogs a year are eaten in South Korea. One million dogs. They say, but only 13% of South Koreans say they eat dog meat. Wait, 13%? (laughs) Anyway, I uh, never had these 
questions about the BTS Happy Meal answered because I was worried that one click in the story and I would have BTS stories spreading virally across my page like some digital Chinese Wuhan flu. Racist! No, Chinese is not a race. Ethnicists, okay, sorry. But also, facts. Okay, all right, well, I'm pretty sure that this podcast is going to have me unfriended. Unfriendio! I guess I'll go watch some YouTube and catch up on some Latvian folk music. Teku teku pachalinu. Pass the tequila. Out!